Now turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4. Remember the Lord had showed mercy to this blind beggar sitting outside the temple. And just so happened by God's decree and purpose, he brought Peter and James by that day. They were going into the temple to preach, and eventually he will. But first of all, the Lord saved this lame man. A picture of God saving us by his grace. We were lame on both of our feet by nature. We cannot come to God or our own. He must come to us. And the Lord saved this man to make an example and when he goes into the temple, all these people see this man who's been crippled since his birth. He's 40 years old. They see him walking, leaping, and praising God. They know who he is. They know who he used to be. They know how he used to be, and he's different. That's what grace does. We're going to see tonight it made that man whole. It made him complete. He makes us complete by his grace. Peter told this man, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Jesus, his name of humiliation, call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Christ is his office, prophet, priest, and king. Nazareth was where he was from. and also means he was the Nazarite. But when he spoke this name, this name, they knew exactly who he was talking about. They knew this one because it's not been probably just over a couple of months earlier that this one Jesus Christ of Nazareth, they had taken him outside Jerusalem and nailed him to a cross. He said, this is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Everybody knew who he was talking about. He's not talking about somebody else. And how, did, how was that man made whole? In the name of Jesus Christ, in the authority of Jesus Christ. He said, I give you, he said, he told the disciples, I give you power to tread upon serpents, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. He gave them not only the power, they had the authority where did the authority come from? It come from Jesus Christ. It come with doing it in his name. You know, the scripture says, where two or three are gathered together in his name, I will be in the midst. It's not just saying, well, we're meeting in the name of Jesus. Oh, no. We meet under his authority. We come to honor and glorify him, and that's what it means to do it in his name. When we ask in prayer, we don't just tack Jesus' name on and say, Amen. We, name, we come in his authority. We approach God through Christ. That's how we come. What right do we have to come in his name? We are servants of the Most High God. We come with authority because we're his servants sent by him. He said, I don't have no silver and gold. But what I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up. And walk. And it wasn't Peter that healed the man, it was Christ who healed the man. And you know, we saw how where the people missed it. They were looking to Peter as, as if Peter was the one that healed this man. 
Peter was not. Now, he was an instrument the Lord used, but it was the Lord who healed this man. It's God who saves sinners and sets men free. Let's read verses 1 through 4. And as they spake, talking about Peter and John, unto the people, they were, you know, finishing up the message, the priest and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them. They were grieved that they had taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection from the dead, and they laid hands on them and put them in hold until the next day, for it was now eventide. Howbeit many of them which heard the word believed, and the number of the men was about 5,000. 5,000. Here it lists several names, and I know we, we mentioned these things many times, but here he talks about the priest, the captains of the temple, and the Sadducees. Someone said the priests were, the, they were organized into two into 24 divisions, which served the temple on a rotation basis. You remember John the Baptist's father, who it was his turn to go into the temple? It was his turn. And when he went in there, he saw the angel of the Lord, and he told him he was going to have a son. Then the priests, the Levites, they ministered the morning and the evening sacrifices. That's why they were here. Remember, they were here the third hour of the day. And the captain... The captain, he was the captain of the temple guard. He was a priest that was in charge of the temple police. They had police that that watched over things that would tell the Gentiles, you have no right to come in here. They had this organization called the police force, and the captain was over them. His authority was ranked second to that of the high priest. His term of service was indefinite and uninterrupted. Similar to our Supreme Court. It is indefinite. It's not a term they serve. They serve till they die. And it was his duty to maintain order in the surrounding temple. Luke often made reference to these captains. Then the Sadducees. They were of priestly descent, presumably from the line of the high priest, They had formed a party that controlled the temple and the high priest. We control the temple and the high priest. They wielded enormous political power. Did that not sound familiar? The Sadducees. They accepted the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the books of the law. They accepted those, and the rest of the Old Testament, they were of just secondary value. And for that reason, they denied doctrines. They denied the Messiah. They denied angels. They denied demons, immortality. And you know what they also denied? They did not believe in the resurrection. Oh, Somebody said that they didn't believe in the resurrection. That's why they're so sad, you see. They didn't believe in it. Can you imagine? And here's what's Peter preaching. 
he's preaching the resurrection. Well, they don't believe it. They don't believe it. They don't believe it. But here, our Lord, through the delivering of this man, he's got their attention. And there's a gathering of people. And they want to see what's going on because, you know, that's their business to know what's going on. They're here to control everything that goes on in this temple. And our Lord has brought Peter. Now think of this. He's brought Peter to this place to preach not only to those outside in Solomon's temple. He's actually even brought them here to preach to these priests and these Sadducees and to these captains. They would not of their own probably come to hear Peter preach. But the Lord brings Peter to preach and to declare to these men that the one that they crucified is alive and sitting on his throne. These are the same men probably standing in the same place. We're going to see in a little bit in the very place that our Lord stood when these men judged our Lord. And they said, we find him guilty of blasphemy. Men love darkness rather than light. You notice in verse 2 it said they were grieved that they taught the people and preached through Jesus the resurrection of the dead. Preaching and teaching, he told them. They had to be taught. They did not understand. They did not comprehend. It caused me, and it still causes men to be grieved. Let me give you a verse. In Psalms 112, verse 10, the wicked shall see it. They saw, they saw this. They, they saw this literally, this man that was healed. They saw it and be grieved. He shall gnash with his teeth and melt away, and the desire of the wicked shall perish. They... You can see them, if they, if they could have gnashed their teeth, they would have gnashed like a mad dog. Why, they're grieved. They can't stand the fact. And here's how it is. Now you picture this. Who is Peter? He's a preacher of the Most High God. He is sent by God to proclaim the gospel. He's an apostle. And he walks right into the midst of the, un, the most ungodly place upon the earth at that time, their so-called temple. Ruled and reigned, and he takes light right into the midst of their darkness. They thought they were the only ones that could teach the people. They are upset that the people are being taught. They don't want you to teach your children the scriptures. You know, people can brag about the Catholic Church and all that. Well, they don't know anything about history. At one time, the common people, and it may still be, the common people don't get Bibles. They were to believe what was told them. The common people didn't. And they wanted to control it. And the best they could, they did. And they even at times used the political authority in those days to force men to do what they said through intimidation and fear. And that's what they're doing, intimidation 
and fear because these men were still under the law. They used the law to control them. And that's what men do today in religion. They use the law and threats of punishment and different things to control men. But these people wanted to keep everybody in darkness, keep them in bondage. And that, listen to me, that is Satan's purpose, to keep men playing games. He didn't care. He didn't care how long they played their games. You know what? There's no glory in that temple. The glory is done departed. The glory was when Christ come to this temple and Christ drove them out with a whip. That's the glory. The glory has departed. They're not teaching you about Christ. Now they're teaching you about Jehovah. They're teaching you about the law, but they're not teaching you about Christ who rules and reigns. The enemy were upset and grieved because these men talked these men. And who are these men that are teaching? We'll not get that far this, this weekend, but in verse, I think it's 13 or 14, he says, I mean, verse 13, when, he, when they perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, these fishermen are teaching. They don't have any right to teach. They don't have any credentials. We didn't send them out. We didn't ordain them. They have no right, especially in the temple. But they're preaching. You know why? The Lord sent them. But what did they do? Being grieved that they taught the people and preached to Jesus Christ, or Jesus, the resurrection from the dead, they laid hands on them. It was late in the day, or they would have already gathered the court together to have tried these men and put them on trial to ask them why they were doing these things. But they put them in hold some prison until the next day, and I guess during that evening and that night, they made a point to get all of them together. Do you know what happened today in the temple? Some guy, some guy was healed. Now, we know he was healed. We can't deny that much. But these guys were teaching that that Jesus that we crucified, that he's alive. And it, it was Jesus, in the name of Jesus, that that man was healed. They're not sure what to do with these preachers. Now see, they're kind of in a dilemma because they can only do what the Romans allow them to do. And they don't want to start stir up too much trouble. They don't want the Romans coming down on them. And they're debating, what are we going to do? What are we going to do about this? How are we going to stop this? How are we going to keep these men from teaching this? I want you to see this is a picture of God's church in its infancy. They're going about preaching the gospel. And the Lord's bringing them here because why he has some elect people who have to hear the gospel and be saved. Our Lord is sovereign over all things. And even these men, what they do is in the hands and the control of God Almighty. He's going to use this for his glory. The scriptures say the wrath of men shall praise him and the remainder of wrath he will restrain. It's a miracle that they didn't take them out right then and just kill them. Later on they will. 
Later on, it's like they get more bold, and James will be the first one that's martyred, and then we know eventually Peter and James, and they all will be, except for John. He was put on the Isle of Patmos. But what they want to do, and here's what the enemy still wants to do, is to stop the preaching of the gospel. You know what? I could hear them say, you have no right to say that. Or you're not saying that in here. Because why? They think they rule. They think they reign. But God rules and reigns. He's brought these here. They cannot stop the effect of the gospel. Now, they may put Peter and John in hold, but you cannot put the gospel on hold. You cannot bind it. Our Lord said if these people hold their, their, their speech, the stones would cry out. He is ordained through the preaching of the gospel. He told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth, and because it is, therefore, you go into all the world and preach the gospel. You know, and that's our mandate. God has sent us into this dark world to preach the gospel, and natural men apart from grace won't have it. But what did the Lord do? How be it, many of them which heard the word from an old preacher, from an old fisherman, an old unlearned and ignorant man believed. Isn't it amazing? In the spite of everything, they believed. How amazing it is that anybody ever believes. Why did that man stand before? Why did that lame man, how was he made whole? He believed. How were you made whole? Believed. Now, your belief in faith is not what saved you. You believe and have faith because you've been born again. That's the evidence of it. The evidence of, of this man making being whole was he standing up walking. The standing up and walking ain't what made him whole. It was an evidence of it. It was an evidence. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Men must hear the gospel. And they must hear it by God's ordained means. God said, Peter and John, he said, you all go into the temple. I could see them think, well, them people ain't going to hear us. I could see them saying that. It would be like saying, well, we're going to go up in, here in some Armenian church and preach Christ, and he tells us to go. First thing we say, well, they probably ain't nobody going to listen to us. They'll probably five minutes, they'll throw us out. But we see here the church that began with 120 converts on the day of Pentecost, he saved 3,000 souls. And here, just a little while later, right here, there's 5,000 more. That's over. And just a few months, over 8,000 people. That's amazing. And they, these were not false converts. These believed. These are converted. What's God doing? God's moving. God's setting up his rule and his reign. Why do the heathen imagine a vain thing? It's just a vain. They think they can. You can't stop the gospel. 
Everything that's happening in this world, you've heard me say it, I don't know how many times, is according to God's purpose and God's plan to save his people. Fear not those clouds that we so much dread. Behind them clouds hides God's smiling face. What could look like a cloud is all these men gathering, and they laid hold on Peter and John. Can you imagine what the people thought? Imagine what the lame man thought. What are they going to do with them? What Peter and John think? What are they going to do with us? They didn't know, and it really didn't matter. This is the same man that stood in the temple and denied our Lord three times. What's the difference now? What makes the difference now? He said they saw the boldness of Peter and John. The boldness. The Spirit of the Lord was upon them. The Spirit of the Lord is upon them. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is power. There is authority. You can't intimidate him. Why? Because he's on business for the king. You're nothing. You're just puppets in his hand. And they were not afraid. They 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 saw their boldness. Who is he? He ain't denying him now. He's bragging on him. He's bragging on him. The Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Oh, that God would move in our midst, that he would stir men's hearts and enable them to believe. Many people hear the gospel, but very few believe. Very few. We, if they was 5,000, I wonder how many more thousand there was there who didn't believe that day. But these did. They were chosen unto salvation. In the face of so much opposition, they believed. In spite of it, they believed. Here we see the malice of hell and the power of the gospel. You want to make the enemy mad. Those that worship Man's will and all those. The Bible says they worship demons. They worship, they, either you worship Christ or you worship the devil. It ain't that you walk around with a pentagram in your forehead or 666 somewhere. Either you worship Christ and honor him or you that's the spirit of Antichrist. Simple as that. Either it's the, the worship of Cain or the false worship of Cain or it's the worship of Abel. No in between. It's the seed of God or the seed of the serpent. Listen. In Exodus, he almost turned there just for a second. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 12. Now, you know, in context, this is speaking of the children of Israel when they were in Egypt. And when Moses came and preached, the pe- things didn't get better. It got worse. In Exodus 1, 12, but the more they afflicted them, talking about the children of Israel, the more they multiplied and grew. Oh, what have we just seen? Oh, that 5,000 souls at one day, that seems like pretty good growth. <laughs> 3,001, that's pretty good growth. They want to stop them from growing. They want to stop them from being a nation. And they were grieved because of the children of Israel. Were not these men grieved? Yeah, and those were grieved too. What are you going to do with these people? 
These strange people, they got different ways than us Egyptians. They're so-called Israelites. We're going to afflict them. And sometimes it seems like when the Lord moves, don't you think the enemy ain't going to raise up his ugly head? This is how it's always been. Always been. You throw light in the darkness and they hate it. They love darkness rather than light. They won't come to the light that they might be saved. Then another verse in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10. Nehemiah, a picture of our Lord coming for the aid of his people. Remember he asked when he was in the, in the, in the, when he was serving the king, he said, how did they fare? He said, they're in reproach. In Nehemiah 2.10, when Sambalat, the Horahite, and Tobiah, his servant, the enemies of God, the Amorite, heard of it. They heard that Nehemiah had come. They heard. Those people in the temple, those priests, they heard. And it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. That's what John, Peter, and John's come to do. Seek the welfare of God's people. And when Nehemiah comes, everything's in a mess for years. Everything's covered up in rubbish. There's trash everywhere. I, I can see weeds growing up between the stones and everything charred where it was burned. It's laid there for years. Nobody cares. Nobody's concerned. But when one man come and he's just concerned, he said, what are we going to do? We're going to build them walls. The enemy says, not if we can help it. They were grieved. They're mad. They're mad. Our Lord said in Mark 16 when he was sending the disciples, and they went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. He's done wonders. God moves in a mysterious way. His wonders to perform. Is that not a wonder he did he'd save that lame man? Isn't that a wonder? What a wonderful thing. And why would he save him? That through that man, he saved 5,000 more. He used that man as a picture of what, what he did. There's no question. Everybody knew him. It's like a man living in, in just... Blatant sin, and everybody knows him. Everybody's heard of him. Everybody's talked about him. Said, God can save anybody but that old man. And he makes an example of that man. You remember, it's like when the Lord saved Paul. They said, we ain't going to believe that. We, we just can't believe the Lord saved him. And they were afraid of him. Verse 5. And it came to pass on the morrow, after they'd put him in a hold all night, that they're rulers and elders and scribes, and Annas the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John, and Alexander, and, and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. They got the whole bunch together. We're going we're gonna to judge these men. They think they're something. They're going to find out something. Like they said, it was kindly made in a, in a half moon shape. So everybody was sitting in these places can look across and see everybody, and then they've got John, Peter and John standing there in the middle. 
But they're all gathered here to do what? Find out how they did this or why they did this. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked by what power or by what name have you done this? Here they're putting them on trial. They're going to try these men for preaching the gospel. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders, if this day we be determined of the good deed done to this impotent man, but what name, what means he has made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand here before you whole. Our Lord had gathered all these people here. Why? They think that they're coming to judge God's servants. God's servants are not the ones on trial here today. It's all these men who are gathered here. They're the ones on trial. God will hold them in derision. These men, now they saw our Lord they sentenced him to death, but some probably had never heard him preach. They maybe had heard about what he preached. But Peter's going to preach to these men. He brought Paul before kings and those in authority. Why? To preach the gospel. You know what? I'd love to be able to go to the House of Representatives or into the Senate or into the Congress or into the Oval Room in the White House and be able and stand and preach the gospel. Wouldn't that be amazing? I was talking to somebody the other day, and you know, you just, you just sometimes you just listen. Because, you know, sometimes just, it's not worth the fuss. You know, you pick your battles. I know you got to talk about Billy Graham, you know. You know, he was, a, he was America's preacher, you know. Got to go and all, got to go into the White House and preach to ever, ever president. And I'm thinking in my mind, boy, I wished he had really said, said something. I wished he had really said something and told them who Christ is, that he's Lord over all things. But that's why these men are gathered here. Not many wise men, not many noble are called, but some are. They asked Peter and John a question. But what power, by what authority, and by what name have you done this? There's no denying that something has been done here. How was this done? And whose name did you do this? They're saying, who gave you the right and the authority to preach in the temple? They thought they ran everything, but they didn't. Verse 11, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Peter will now preach to these wicked, vile men. I heard Paul Mahan say one time, he asked his, 
his dad, he was invited to go preach at an Armenian church. And Paul said, what should I preach? And his dad said, well, you preach the gospel. <laughs> what do they need? They need to hear the gospel. What did Peter preach? He's going to preach the gospel. He's going to tell them how that man that they saw and knew was healed, how is he made whole? How is that man made whole? Whole, not trying to be whole, not a partial whole. How is this man made whole? How can that be? How can that be? Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There's not bondage. Christ has set us free. We're not afraid of men. The fear of men brings a snare. He's not afraid. He, his life's not dear unto him. He could care less what they did to him because he serves his Lord. And if they do anything, it's just because the Lord allows it. And he believed him. He believed him. He believed him. All God's servants are bold as a lion. Reminds me of David. He comes up there and just so happens he comes up to bring some lunch and stuff to his brothers who were fighting in the battle was under King Saul trying to fight Goliath. Goliath's coming out for 40 days just taunting God, taunting God, taunting Israel. Said, send me one man to fight me. One man. And if I defeat him, you'll be our servants. And if he defeats me, we'll be your servant. And everybody's terrified. David said, what'd he say? You know what he's doing? He's defying God. He's, he's blaspheming God. And he said, and somebody said, do you know what will happen to the man who kills that man? He said, no, what? He said, the king's going to give him his daughter. The king is going to enrich him. Really? And his brother said, why are you come out here? Why, did you, why aren't you back home watching a few little sheep? David ignored him. You know what he said? Is there not a cause? And David went into King Saul and said, Don't you worry about nothing. I'm going to go shut his mouth. And then Saul, you know, put his armor on him. David said, I've not yet tried it. And here he goes. Whatever he had on, he had a little, I know he had a little bag on his side, and, he, and he, when he crossed the little stream, he reached down and he got him five smooth stones. Somebody said, why did he get five smooth stones? I only need one because I read somewhere Glass had four brothers. If they wanted some of it, he'd have some too. But he goes down there like a man preaching the gospel. What our Lord did, he went down there and he defeated the enemy. And you know what? I'm telling you, we don't have to be afraid of the enemy. Our God rules. That's, that's boldness. It's not, it's not cockiness. It's boldness. Come boldly before the throne of grace. It's just believing God. Danny, it would be like your father telling you to go do something. Nothing else would matter. If they liked it or not, it didn't matter. <laughs> I remember the... I remember, I can't remember who it was was going to be king, and they was going to send a servant. And he's got to go to where that king is and, and anoint him. I know who it was. Samuel sent him to anoint this man as king, and he was going to be king over Israel. And he goes there, and he comes in, and can you imagine what everybody thinks? What are you doing here? This is between me and the king. And he takes him in a room and pours oil on his head. And he said, the king sent me here to anoint you 
as king. You know why David wasn't afraid? David was chosen of God. He was sent of God. You know, you think about this. I'm nothing, just a mere sinful man. But God has sent me to preach the gospel to your soul. To your soul. To your soul. He said, if we be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, that's why they were there, they were to examine them. What a change the Holy Spirit had brought upon Peter. Now, by nature, Peter, he could be outspoken. He could be a little re- re- impulsive. But here, something made him different. He's boldness. He's He's sin of the Spirit of God. May God fill us with his Spirit. Without his Spirit, we're nothing. We're nothing. Listen, in Matthew 13, verse 11, here's, Peter remembered his Lord telling him this. When they shall lead you and deliver you up, and he didn't say they might, but when they do, I'm telling you beforehand, it's going to happen. Take no, no thought beforehand what you're going to say. What am I going to say? Neither do ye premeditate, but whatsoever shall be given you in that hour, that speak ye, for it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Ghost. Now, some people take that so literally as to think you should never study. That's not what that's saying. You know, if you stand there, God's going to fill your mouth. Yeah, he may fill it with nothing. But what he's saying is, you don't, I'll give you, I'll tell you what to say. I'll give you, I'll give you just exactly what you need to say. And he did. I think he, I don't think he muttered. I think he was calm. And he said, y'all, y'all have brought me here today. You've got some questions, and I, I'm going to answer them. I'm going to tell you how this man made whole. And I'm glad I have the opportunity. I'm thankful I have the opportunity to stand before you today and to tell you what just happened. He said, be it known unto you and all the people of Israel. You've asked me. So I'll tell you how this man stands before you whole. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Isn't that the same thing you told the lame man? This is who made this man that you see whole. You go, when did that make a difference? Now, if Peter had said, in the name of Jehovah, there wouldn't have been no problem. There wouldn't have been no issue. Because they worshipped the whole Jehovah God. They just didn't want or worship God in the flesh. That's it. That's the issue. That would have been the end of the matter. But the object of their hatred... It can't be at Jesus of Nazareth. It was him. This world has never changed. You can speak of a God who's who's sovereign over creation and over different things, but don't 
dare mention a God that's sovereign over man's salvation. I didn't heal that man. You couldn't have healed that man. That man didn't heal himself. Well, how, do, how does he stand here whole? Jesus of Nazareth. Simple, that's simple and simple and as plain as it could be. Nothing complicated about this. Only thing that makes it complicated is unbelief. But he, he didn't stop there. They knew who Jesus Christ is. Now he lays something to their charge. He said, whom you crucified. That Jesus of Nazareth, you crucified him. You murdered him. He said earlier in last week's lesson, he said when, when Pilate was determined to let him go, you said, oh, no, we want us a murderer. We want us a Barabbas. That's who we chose. He said, yeah, it was Jesus of Nazareth. You are a bunch of murderers is who you are. That's hard for men to swallow, especially when men think they're so good, so righteous. But he didn't stop there. He said it was by the name of Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified. Now, as far as you know, that was the end of it. You thought when you crucified him, you were, you were done with him, that we won't hear about him anymore. But hold on now. There's something else that you need to know. God raised him from the dead. <laughs> I bet that shook him sad, you see. <laughs> he's, a, he's what? He's lying. A dead Jesus can't raise a man. A dead Jesus can't give a man life. A Jesus hanging on a cross can't do nothing for nobody. A Jesus that can't do something unless you allow him can't save anybody. But one sitting on the throne can. He rules. God raised him from the dead. Peter said in that first message in, that, on, in the day of Pentecost, God raised him up and God made him Lord. Now bow down. I guarantee you could have heard a pin drop. But these men just found out how this man is made whole. There's no denying that fact. This man's made whole. He's not faking it. He's not pretending. A miracle of grace has been wrought on this man. I've seen the Lord save people. You know, I can't see their heart. But there has to be some evidence. Blessed are the they that mourn. Blessed are the poor in spirit. There is evidence. I know that you're the elect of God. You've turned from your idols to serve the living and true God. It makes religious men so mad they can't stand it. I've heard them say, it's not fair. Why did they get peace so easy? God gave it to them, that's why. And they have no peace. Because did you get this? If they crucified the Son of God, and he was the Son of God who he said he was, that means we're all deceived. 
That means we're all lost men. That's the only way it can be. Either we're right and he's wrong, or he's right and we're wrong. And they just found out they were wrong. We're wrong? Yeah. Then he says, he speaks to them from the Old Testament. He says there, this is verse 11, this is the stone which was set at naught of you builders which has become the head of the corner. And he's quoting from Psalms 118, verse 22. The stone which the builders refused is become the head stone of the corner. Everything's got to start here. It's the corner. This wall and this wall rest and starts. They, get, they have to build on this one. They have no other way to start. It's this. And they rejected him. What brings the Jews and the Gentiles together? The cornerstone. All the weight of the building rests on the cornerstone. He said, this is the stone which you rejected. The same has become the head of the corner. If that stone falls on you, it'll crush you to powder. But the one that you rejected... The same God chose to be the head of the corner. Everything without Christ, Danny, our whole house would fall. The church is built on him. That's what he's telling them. Our Lord is compared to a stone for his strength and his durability. And because his usefulness in the spiritual building of the church, they rejected Christ, the cornerstone. Who did they choose? Uh, if we could, we want, we want to build our church on a murderer. Hmm, that's who we're going to build it on. Was Cain not a murderer? Did he not murder his brother? The first blood that was ever shed upon earth was shed when Cain killed his brother. Abel, and it was over this right here, grace and works. In raising Christ from the dead, the Lord God exalted him to be the head of the church upon which all things rest upon him. He is the head over all things, the church. By him, the church is fitly framed together and groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. When he was raised from the dead, he said, you destroy this temple right here, and in three days I'll rise again. He could have been talking about his body. You destroy this temple, in three days I'll rise it again. You tear down this temple, even that physical temple, three days I'll rise it, raise it again. He's talking about building his church, and that's what he's doing, and he's still doing it. He's still doing it. The whole church is fitly framed together, groweth into a holy temple of the Lord. And then he says, we'll come back maybe to this next week and spend a little more time. He says, neither is there salvation in any other. If you're to be saved, there's no other way. For there is none other name under heaven given among men. You notice he included himself with them, whereby we must be saved. 
Well, how can a man be saved? And in his name. In the name of Jesus Christ, you rise up and walk. And they did. All the authority of Christ that God speaks and dead sinners live. God speak and speaks and men that are spiritually blind now see. He speaks and men that are spiritually deaf hear. He speaks and men that are spiritually lame walk. There's authority. He said, you know what they marveled? Whether they agreed with our Lord or not, they said, he didn't speak like the Pharisees and him did. He spoke as one who had authority. And what that meant, he knew what he was talking about. Peter's not speaking from borrowed information. He's not talking about somebody that he don't know. He knows him. And he saw him. And remember him and John were the ones that run to the tomb that day and they looked in there and it was empty. But then he saw him risen from the dead. And they never got over it. And us as believers, we never get over the fact that he's risen. And he has given us life. Reminds me of the gathering men, man. The Lord had set that man free. And he's sitting clothed and in his right mind. Is there a difference? Yeah, there's a difference. There's a change in that man. Everybody can see it. And they, tell, they want our Lord to leave. That whole city says, why don't you just leave? We don't want you around. Can you imagine that? We don't want you around. We don't want your gospel. And that man, he wants to go with our Lord. He wants to leave. I, I would have wanted to left that place too. But you know what our Lord said? No, I want you to stay here. And you go home. Now, don't you get this? You go home and you tell your family what great things the Lord has done for you. You reckon he's got something to say? Reckon he'd have to sit down and premeditate what he's got to say? <laughs> no, I, something's different about you. Just let me tell you. A man named Jesus Christ came to where I was at and he set me free. And I can't be quiet. May God enable us to see him. And remember, if he, if, we, if he meets with us, it's because not just because we gather, but do we gather in his name? Did we come here to hear by him, to exalt him? If we did, he said, I'll be in your midst, just like he was in their midst that day. Peter was standing, he wasn't standing alone. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'm, don't you. Don't you be afraid of anything. 